You're listening to the Fuck Yeah Nation Network. Hey everyone, welcome to Robert Land, your favorite not safe for work comedy theme park podcast is back and we're coming in hot. Uh, this episode's wonderful, guys. We're joined by the hilarious comedian, Mr. Alex Hooper, who you may have seen on America's Got Talent or a comedy such as Roast Battle. He's an all-around zen dude, a hilarious dude, and we're frankly glad to have him. Not only is he a funny comedian, but he also... Uh, has worked at Universal Studios, so we get that perspective, which we haven't had yet, and uh, we talk about a lot of stuff in this one. Uh, we talk about comedy, uh, we talk about theme parks, we talk about laugh, so we cover all the bases with this one. I'm excited, guys. Uh, you know, I have been doing a lot of stand-up again lately, which has felt good. I kind of fell off the wagon a little bit, getting this podcast out there. Because uh, it's been a year and a half of getting back into stand-up consistently. And uh, tonight I had a great set and it felt good. It felt all warm inside. Uh, and I am excited for the progression of uh, doing stand-up again. I'm excited for the progression of this show. And I appreciate all the messages that I've been getting of positivity. It means a lot. But... Uh, this is a journey we're all on together, guys. This is the ride of our lifetimes. <laughs> so, yeah, guys, uh, you're going to enjoy this one. And uh, if you'd like to see me do stand-up, uh, me and the other dudes from the Fuck Yeah Nation Network will be hitting up some clubs, man. We'll be fucking having a ball. Uh, coming up on uh, March 4th, we'll be at the Brea Improv uh, at 8 p.m. there. And then... Uh, March 16th, we will be at the Rec Room in Huntington Beach. And then April 16th, we'll be at the Pasadena Ice House. And then April 22nd, we'll be at the Oxnard Levity Lav. So, it's exciting, guys. Come see us. Enjoy this new Fawkeye Nation Network. And we'll ring it in together. Uh, but, uh... Yeah, before we get to the interview with me and Mr. Hooper, uh, I'm going to share something special. I appreciate those messages you guys have been leaving us, but uh, I thought I'd share some of these messages. We've had people leave us some theme park memories, if you will, uh, so I thought I'd share a couple pretty cool theme park memories, and then we'll be uh, getting to our interview with Mr. Hooper. So stay tuned, guys. Here's your theme park memories. Theme park memories. Hi, this is uh, Dottie, uh, and I remember uh, the first year that the Haunted Mansion opened, uh, my husband finger blasted me so hard that I was wailing like a banshee. And it's always held a special place in my heart. Deep Park Memories. Yeah, I remember the first time I went to Disneyland. It was probably 1977. And, you know, they had the fireworks. They had a lot going on. But I'll be damned if I didn't see 
an intergalactic spaceship while I was on the Jungle Cruise. Now, nobody noticed it. I, me and one other guy, we noticed it. Because, I mean, there's so much crazy stuff happening in Disneyland. But I'll, I'll be damned. I've gone back there every year since then. And if you go there at the same time, you go to Jungle Cruise, you'll see it every year. I think they might, they might be in cahoots. Theme park memories. Dude, probably my best memory of a theme park was this one time that me and my boy Chalmers were like on this bender in San Diego. And somehow we got a hold of some wild shrooms. These were heavy, potent. So we, we had the idea, let's take these and let's go to SeaWorld. Because they say that like we have a connection to whales, dolphins, you know, us being mammals. So we took those and it was the weirdest thing because like right when the shrooms kicked in i kid you not dude one of the whales busted a fat nut in the tank dude it was the funniest thing i ever saw and we were, we were shrooming dude so we were just like whoa it's like what if the tank got pregnant you know i mean it's like a petri dish when you think about it man I, Oh man, dude, best night of my life, hands down. The party memories. This is Theme Park Minute with Zach Hillman. The first UK amusement park to get bumper cars was Butland Skeekness, which is also coincidentally my safe word in the sex dungeon. They began importing the technology with an exclusive license in 1928. But after nearly 90 years of complaints from guests sustaining injuries during the course of the ride, the park hung up a no-bumping sign in 2011. The sign is seriously enforced and guests found guilty of using the cars for their expressed purpose are told to stop immediately. Seriously? That's like putting up a sign at SeaWorld that says, please don't fuck the sexy dolphins with their glistening blowholes and slippery skin. Bet you didn't know that, did you? <laughs> well, strap in, guys. Wear a strap on. Whatever. Here I am with Mr. Alex Hooper. How's it going? Lovely, thank you. Dude, thanks for being here. Man. My pleasure. Happy to be here. Yeah, so so this is Robert Land. It's a comedy podcast. We talk about theme parks and experiences and you know, I've <clears throat> I've followed you for a while, and I've heard, you know seen you through roast battle, and um, I always loved your energy, and I, I like the fact that you could wear some of those outfits because I'm you know I'm a musician, and I mm-hmm. love wearing eccentric, just crazy wild suits. I have like turquoise suits, and you know one with my face on it. Just I love that stuff, and I, I love. Yeah, I just I, I dig your style, man. So. Yeah, you got to lean into being a rock star sometimes. Oh, you know totally. what I mean? And like, you know, it's if I was an accountant, I probably couldn't get away with wearing some of that stuff <laughs> in the office. But instead, I'm a comedian, so you got to tell yourself you can do whatever you want to do. Be outlandish, be crazy, be eccentric. When did you start like wearing that in your standup? Um, so only in the past year, really, because like it took me. I, I started introducing it through roast battle because it just made sense. Like uh, the stuff I wear at music festivals, like I could wear on stage as I was doing these characters. Because roast battle is very much like professional wrestling. It's very totally. just you know we have to bit talk ourselves up and we're these larger than life characters. And I started really leaning into that. And then I got to the point where it's like, well, why don't I wear this in my standup? If this is how I feel my best, if this is how I feel most natural, why don't I start? 
start leaning into this style on stage too because if that's my favorite version of myself then that's the per- the one I should present to the world so I started really leaning in and mostly I just wear kimonos on stage I have a bunch of different kimonos <laughs> that my girlfriend makes for me and it just you know whenever I put that thing on and I get on stage I just I get in this flow state and I just feel like I'm you know I'm here I'm genuine and people will listen to me that was really the scary part, I think, because I didn't think people would take me seriously if I was wearing that stuff. And what I found is actually people find that I'm more authentic because I'm doing something that is so uniquely me. It's not putting on a front. I'm just leaning into my persona. Yeah, that's great, man. Yeah, because I, uh, I feel like maybe also because you've been doing it for for. Years, Ten years now, so like you, you you're comfortable. You're you. Yeah, I, I feel like. Uh, yeah, that's what sometimes I'm hesitant to, to do that when I do stand up, wear my suits that I do, like, you know, with the band or music. And, um, but I, I've started to adapt that into my stand up as the more comfortable I, I've got with it. But uh, I'm also like an absurdist and I love just, you know, I, I love, I love vaudeville and just all that stuff. It's just, it's, you don't really see people wearing suits, you know, too often anymore. Uh, but, uh, no, everyone just plays it down. They just want to, they just want to wear jeans and a t-shirt. Be like, it's just me up here, dude. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just your friend, man. It's just, we're all just chilling. It's yeah. like, yeah, but sometimes people want to know that they paid for a show. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with wearing jeans and a t-shirt. But for me, I just got to this point where it's like, well, let me show them something different. Let me separate myself from this crowd a little bit. So, yeah, I'm one of you, but I'm also a heightened version right now. So you understand that like, I'm the performer on stage. Yeah. No, that's great, man. And uh, and you've always been stand up, and or you started in L.A. Right? I did. Yeah, yeah. Nobody and, told me not to, so <laughs> that's what I did. Were, and so, did it prompt you? Like, did you move to do stand up? I moved here to act because I was already when I was in, I went to school in Pittsburgh, and I joined uh, the Screen Actors Guild out there because oh, okay. I did a couple I did a couple small parts in movies. So I moved out here to act, and about six months later, uh, got pushed into stand up by a friend of mine, and you know, just that magical story you do it once you kill your first time and then you're like oh this is it man this is all i want to do for the rest of my life i know it i know it and then i ate shit for the next few months you know (laughs) then i just bombed terribly and i was like and i still wanted to do it so i was like this is real this is it this is everything i want that's awesome yeah i i had that same experience where i had a killer first set you know at an open mic in orange county and yeah then it took a while to you get like humbled real quick. Oh yeah. You, know? yeah. <laughs> so, you have to be. And mo- most people have that experience. It's like yeah. their, their first time, there's this energy. A lot of times people know the, the audience knew it was my first time because the host said it. So I think they kind of gave me a little leniency as well. Uh-huh. But yeah, I guess it's at the point where I was like, I gotta, I know, I know I need to keep doing this just because even though it doesn't feel good that I'm bombing, <laughs> there's something about it that I don't, I just want it get better i want to i want to prove to the world that i can do this yeah no and and you have man it's 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 uh it's it's great i uh i so this you know i i've always wanted to do a podcast because i do a lot of voices i do a lot i'm I'm an impressionist you know and i i I, uh grew up loving radio and uh it feels like every comic it's almost like having a a card you know having a podcast podcast. (laughs) yeah Yeah. i mean i just started i just started one in the past year just because i've seen what it will do as far as audiences getting to know you personally and really falling in love with who you are as a comedian and a person and then you can also track the other thing is for comics we can track the analytics of where people are listening and go oh look at this a bunch of people in missouri are downloading my podcast well then let me go tour in missouri you know what i mean so there is that 
aspect of it too. It's just, I really, I just enjoy turning off my phone and looking someone in the eyes and talking because we yeah. don't do that anymore. No, and that's what's cool because, you know, this is the first time I, I, I've like met you and hung out with you and talked. And so it's it's great. It's a good way to, to do that too, yeah, you know? And, for sure. Ask anyone yeah. there. People sometimes ask like, what do you like so much about doing your podcast? And I'll ask them like, when was the last time you talked to someone for 90 minutes without any interruption and most people are like I've never done that in my life and I'm like exactly so yeah. I do that once a week and well and sometimes like today I will do it three times today <laughs> and I love that like my, my, my girlfriend was like that's so much talking and I was like yeah but I love talking. <laughs> it's like my favorite thing to do like I don't like shutting up so this yeah. is great. Yeah dude and so uh, yeah like Stand, when you started stand-up, um, what spot did you hit up first? What was like the first? So there's this place in Studio City on Ventura Boulevard. It's now called the Rain Nightclub. But at the time, it was called the Aura. And uh, they had this thing called Comedy Night at the Aura. And I did a bringer show. Um, it eventually turned into the Spotlight Comedy Club for a very short time. Uh, and I did that place for a while. And then I did other bringer shows around town and started... didn't learn for the first six months that I was supposed to do open mics. Nobody told me that. So I was literally just eating shit at bringer shows in front of my friends like and costing them money to watch a terrible show. And I was like, and then somebody was like, why don't you do open mics? I was like, what do you mean? And they're like, just let me take you to an open mic. And they took me to one. I was like, oh, this is what you're supposed to do. It took me six months to figure out that I'm supposed to do open mics. That's how, that's how not versed I was in the world of stand-up. Yeah, well, I you know, I had a similar experience too. I, I started somehow getting booked when I like had done a couple mics, and then you know when when you're so naive to it, you just kind of. In some ways, I kind of admire like that where you just go out and you're just completely oblivious. You just sort of there's a certain you kind of got like a, a certain swagger when you're just like I'm gonna. I'm going to kill regardless if I know this art form or this craft, you know, just I'm going to do what I think this is. And there's something about that where there's a certain energy when people start that it's, it's admirable, you know, I mean, the whole thing is, you know, but it's, um, it's admirable. It's idiotic. It's selfish. It's all, it's it's a narcissistic. There's so many things that it is, but, (laughs) but it's also, it's, it's such a beautiful, uh, honest way of expressing yourself, you know, is that sometimes like I'm, I think about like what I do and I'm like, I'm being paid. People are paying money to just hear things that I think about and I get to tell them my ideas and my little, and my little jokes and like, what a crazy world we live in that we have enough people that are like building things and maintaining the government and all that. that there's enough jobs to be like, well, you can go be a comedian. We don't really need you <laughs> to handle our food supply, Alex. You're okay. No, it's, it's yeah, it's great, man. And I remember the first time I, I met like someone who was like a, a, a true comedian, like a professional comedian. And it blew my mind, you know, because I loved comedy. I grew up. Being a funny kid, I loved, you know, like we were talking earlier, Mel Brooks movies. Sure. Or, you know, Saturday Night Live. Like a lot of us, you know, growing up with that era of just great comedy movies and stand-up too. But I remember I remember loving sketch comedy and uh, I had a public access show. Oh, like, cool. Yeah, it was, like a, it was like a kids in the hall, you know, knockoff. But we, we were like 12. We didn't know what we were doing. And, um, you know, there I met this guy, Josh Thompson, who um, – he had a show where it was like Elvira style and it was, he would show all these B horror movies and he played all these characters and did these amazing impressions. He ended up getting, you know, taken off. Getting, like he, he'd prank call people as Howard, as uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger fun. And, and he like, 
you know, prank called CNN and ABC saying all these outlandish things like we should blow up the moon to uh, uh, <laughs> to stop women's periods or whatever, just outlandish <laughs> stuff. And so I saw him take off and I was like, you know, 15, but he was so cool to us. He like helped us edit the show sometimes and had it, it was amazing to see. And, um, you know, I, I grew up with with uh, our mutual buddy, uh, John, John Shevsky. And I remember him just begging me to go with him because we, we played in punk rock bands and stuff. And he was a few years older and kind of more determined to do it. And I was always just terrified because, like, when I did uh, – when I played in my band or whatever, I had a lot of stage banter that was like stand-up. But I just – I had that comfort of the other dudes with me. If, if anything bombed, I'm like, oh, here's a shitty song. <laughs> you know? Right. So, it, so it was – it was it was that comfort in, in doing sketch comedy, but I remember yeah seeing him and and, and Angela Bowers and John Carmichael at like open mics and being like whoa these like even then I was like this is these dudes are, are real comics. You, you need know? people like that. You need people to show you that it's possible. You yeah. know, people ask all the time like how do you get into stand up? And I'll tell them I'm like go to an open mic, totally. just find an open mic in your town and go to it and just watch it, and you'll realize we are not superheroes. People are going to go up there and be very bad at this, and you need to watch people be bad at it so that you understand that it's very possible for you to do it. If you only ever watch Jim Gaffigan and John Mulaney and Ali Wong, you're going to be like, oh, I could never do that. Well, not yet. You can't. But go to an open mic and you can go do stand up comedy. <laughs> like it's yeah. very, it's very accessible. This art form of ours. <laughs> yeah. No, but it's uh, yeah, it's 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 great to to talk about that stuff because it's uh, yeah for me it's been a year of consistency of of getting up, you know, and um, it's it's been it's been a, a learning experience. It's been awesome, and I've I've. Uh, I've had a lot of, uh, yeah, like just key points. Where I'm like, oh shit, I feel like I'm progressing here. You know, I feel yeah, like I'm learning as you something. should. And, and I, you should never stop having that feeling. Yeah, you know, and, and like you said, even if you're just you'll eat shit, and you just learn what not to do. And and I enjoy that process. I think I've eaten enough, you know, shitty burritos in my life, like burritos filled with turds. That's my analogy. <laughs> shit sucking. But yeah, so it's like... Yeah, you I, don't I realize can, when you're biting into it that it's going to be filled with a piece of shit. <laughs> yeah. And then you take that first bite and you're like, oh, this doesn't taste good. And then they're like, finish it. <laughs> finish it. And you're like, okay, I guess I'll finish it. And then 20 minutes later, they're shining the light. You're like, you're done your burrito. Thank you very much. <laughs> Yeah, that's. <laughs> no, yeah. We should never. We you should always feel like you're progressing, though, and I feel like you should never. The second you think you have any control over it or you fully understand it, that's when you're really gonna take a dive. Like you yeah. should always look at it from uh from a distance with with respect, knowing that like you are never you are never far away from your next bomb. You don't know when it's coming. It's, you never you never know when you're going to have that completely humbling experience where just people don't like you, you know? Yeah. Like that's just, <laughs> not fun. It's like, oh, you don't not just like my jokes, you don't like me, and that hurts. But, yeah. you know, you thicken up after a while. Yeah, it's, it's uh, yeah, like you said, they're always progressing and, and, and learning, like, uh, that, that dude from Rush, the drummer to Rush, like, I 
I watched a documentary on them and uh, was it Neil Getty or Neil, Neil Pert, Pert. Neil Pert, yeah. Yeah, he like still would take drum lessons, which is incredible to me. You know, yeah, it's like, I mean, perf- the best actors see acting coaches. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, there you don't. You know, Meryl Streep probably goes to a coach every once in a while and says, "Hey, I have this role. Let's dig into it together," just so she can bounce ideas off somebody. It's not because she's not capable, but sometimes you just need to talk to somebody else and be totally. like, "Hey, I have this material here. What do you see in this that maybe I won't?" See? because everyone's going to always have a different perspective so yeah. yeah i mean it's it's always that's why writing with friends is good that's why like just talking but i mean i could talk about comedy for always you know i just i never get tired of it just because there's always new things to dig up yeah yeah and we, you know comedy is a, is a portion of this i mean this we want this to be to be uh you know insightful and funny and you know, life is definitely a ride, and we're all uh, we're all riding it. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah, you my seat, my seatbelt is off, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm strapped to the front of the car. So. <laughs> well, so yeah, the 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 theme that I'm I'm running here is uh you know amusement parks. They're they're incredible. You know, I I feel like there's a lot of cynics out there. There's a lot of people that enjoy amusement parks, but it's always something you'll you'll never forget. And and what, can you remember, like, what was the first park that you went to, amusement park, as a kid? So, I grew up in Baltimore, oh, and okay. I used to go to a bunch as a kid. Um, Six Flags was, was nearby. Hershey Park was nearby. Oh. Uh, King's Dominion was not too far away. Um, so, those were the big three that I would go to as a kid. Um, and then my family would like, take vacations, and we'd go to ones in, like, the Six Flags that's in New England. Uh, there's one up there. And I went to a few. I went been to a few other ones um but i remember as like i used to be i didn't go on a roller coaster until i was 10 i was so afraid of them and then I, it was one of those th- the experiences where the first time i rode a roller coaster i was like this is all i want to do for the rest of my life <laughs> like same same as i felt with stand-up you know what i mean like i yeah. got on that roller coaster i was like oh why was i afraid of this like there's no reason it's safe up here like it's okay this is where i feel comfortable and i love i love that thrill i love that i love that feeling of my gut falling out of my stomach and I just I want bigger rides always you know and I, 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 this woke him up. I work at Universal. Universal is not my theme park. It's not up like the rides there are okay, but they're all simulated experiences. I don't want simulators. I want to be dropped out of a fucking plane. Like, <laughs> yeah. kill me, dude. Yeah, yeah. I, and, and that's a, a common thing. I mean, uh, even Knott's Berry Farm has a ride with with simulation in it, and like I could see the, I could see why they're doing it, why the technology is leaning that way, but. For me, like the nothing beats animatronics or just like there's something about it. I don't want to sound like a, a, a nerd, but it's just the fact that like, you know, something looks like it's there. My, you know, it's fake. It's just like with movies and CG. You know, there's sure. something about it that. And plus, I get nauseated. I want to fucking barf when I'm on Dimension. Yeah. You know, I just want to like the Harry Potter ride. I, I like I love how they blend that. You know, but yeah. I think that's that's like ten years old, right? Even though it's it's been here a few years, yeah, it's modeled. It's, it's, it's pretty close to that, yeah. Because I feel like a lot of Universal stuff now is is that it's the 3d it's the yeah that's that's what they like to oh there's also because there's ordinances for universal because of where they're located in oh, the valley yeah. they can't have these massive roller coasters um there's actually like there's like physical limitations to what they can do so they have to put rides like that inside indoors um and so they work with the space that they have and that's basically what they can do 
you know? So oh. it's out of necessity, I think, more so than anything else. Because Universal Orlando has tons of roller coasters. They have, yeah. two, they have two theme parks. We do not. We have one. So was that was that your first experience at a Universal Park was in Florida? No, I had never went to that one. I uh, I'd been to other parks in Florida. I'd been to Disney when I was really young, and my grandmother used to live in St. Petersburg, so I used to go to uh, Busch Gardens in Tampa. Oh, oh Busch Gardens yeah. was one I went to growing up too. Busch Gardens Williamsburg as well. Um, but that was so when I came to Universal and I got a job there right after I moved to L.A. eleven years ago. I got it was, that was the job I got. The first ride I ever did at Universal was the Simpsons ride, and mm-hmm. I. I was blown away. I was I've been a lifelong Simpsons fan and I was like this is fucking incredible. Yeah. Like and that's a simulator, but it was the close I was I tell people I'm like it's the closest you will ever come to live to being trapped in a cartoon. Yeah. Like it feels so legit and there's so many little inside jokes and there's like if you're a Simpsons fan, I mean and they go as far like you know the devil's in the details. There's a part where you get sucked into a giant Maggie's mouth <laughs> and they spray baby powder into the room. So all of a sudden you go into her mouth and you smell baby powder. And like just that is this extra little touch that is so perfect you know that really adds to your experience and so i mean universal like what they do they do it better than anybody but you know that being said i still want to be go on the crazy roller coasters more so than anything else okay so you you did you so you didn't really did you fancy the dark rides too like the kind of you know disney kind of like fantasy land do you ever uh... yeah i mean yeah i definitely i i i, I like when it's a good theme you know i like story yeah for sure and that's part of it is just like take me on an adventure if if i'm gonna do this kind of simulator ride if i'm gonna be in this like little car or whatever i do want some adventure out of it obviously you don't need a story when you're being dropped 300 feet at 100 (laughs) miles an hour then you they're like trying to be like and once upon a time you're like i can't deal with this shit right now i'm sorry i have other priorities i'm just trying to keep my mouth open um and so you know, for those ones though, like yeah, the, the better it it should be. You should you know, Jurassic World. You know, it's Jurassic Park is now Jurassic World at Universal. I love that. Like they're you're just on this river cruise, and all of a sudden they're like, oh, we got a problem, we got a problem, sir. And all of a sudden you you go the wrong way on the thing, and you're like, oh, what's you know, this is cool. Like it makes it feel like uh, they really put the work into it to make me feel like I'm part of this experience. Yeah, and that's what's amazing about it. it, it they really do like transport you to those movies or those cartoons that you grew up with and it's pretty incredible you know like it's it's like a visceral thing that you know you you that's special to theme parks yeah yeah like um so what what was a ride that you really enjoyed like growing up like one that there was um i remember like my favorite roller coaster for a long time was called it was at hershey park it was called the great bear and it was a suspended roller coaster which has always been my favorite i love feet dangling underneath the track i love that so much um there's just something about when your feet are just flying that feels good like and i've been like i've done all the lay down ones too um the lay down ones where you're like flying those are cool but there's something about just sitting and your feet dangling that i really really enjoy and uh, the Great Bear what I liked so much about it was it was long it had these very long running like straightaways with big curves and big drops and sometimes a roller coaster it's too compact and Uh they try to and and they they don't have the space to work with it so it's just a lot of very tight turns and things and the Great Bear was just smooth as hell and I remember just loving it as a kid I would go on it again and again have you been back like in adulthood? Have no, seen- I haven't been. I actually, um, 
I, I the last time I went to a theme park that I did, that I didn't work at was probably. It's been like seven or eight years, and it was oh, the Six man. Flags out here. Um, I just, it's a weird thing, like because I spend so much time at Universal that when I, I, I think about going to Six Flags a lot, and I just never pull the trigger, and I will because I know they have so many great roller coasters that I haven't been on yet since because because I have had this gap, but I really. Uh, I do want to go back because Six Flags uh, here in California and in LA is what a thing. I mean, what a park. I mean, there's like 18 roller coasters oh, or something epic. like that. Yeah, yeah, it's intense. Very much like uh, you know, rivaling Cedar Point or something like that. Which I've been to Cedar Point as well, and that's you know, Cedar Point for a long time was considered like the best of the roller coaster theme parks, and I'm pretty sure this Six Flags has if, if surpassed it, if not at least you know equaled it. Yeah, yeah, you gotta go back. So you, you've been once, so you've been. I've been a few times. times. Yeah, oh, when okay. I first moved here, I I, I went a few times. Yeah, and yeah. then you know, I just you get bu- I get busy with stand up, and I get busy with other things. I started going to music festivals, and music festivals basically became my amusement parks. I yeah. was like, I don't need all these kids around. I just want to take drugs and put on costumes and <laughs> listen to live music, and that kind of became where. I got that part of my thrill experience out was I started going to like, you know, a lot of festivals, the desert, like Burning Man and things like that. And then I was like, once you go to something like Burning Man, like it's, you can still appreciate like Six Flags, but you, there's a different, I, there's a, something else that like my brain wants to be fed. You yeah. Know? Yeah. No, totally. It's a, the, the endorphin. I don't know. It's, that's Steve Dorfin. No, Steve. Steve Dorfin. Yes, Stephen exactly. Yeah. No. <laughs> I don't Steve know why Steven Dorf came in my my brain right now. He's on uh, billboards right now. He's like back in action. He's got a new show. So like, <laughs> awesome, dude. Get the Dorfman's back. Man. Yeah. Right. I, go ahead. <laughs> my my ADD brain went to that. Uh, what was that like? Those VHS series was like the Dorf. It was like Tim Con. Tim, what's oh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, dude. That's some su- super esoteric rabbit hole right there. We don't need to get into. But uh, yeah, that it's you know, it's cool though. So you've been to Disneyland. Right. I have actually never been to Disneyland. No I've been shit. to Disney World when I was a kid. Whoa. I've never been to Disneyland, and my reason is because like I. I don't think I would love it as a 34-year-old man. Like I feel like unless you're soup unless you went to Disneyland as a kid, I don't think the nostalgia really works for me where I'd oh, be yeah, really, yeah. really that excited about it because I know Disneyland has some has some good rides, but they don't have anything at the level that I would want to be. Totally, do, yeah. do, you know, they don't have those crazy roll upside down roller coasters with huge drops and that's that's what I want in a theme park. And so I've never really had the desire to go, you know, to drop 200 bucks to go to a place where I'm just like, oh, yeah, there's a Disney princess over there of a movie (laughs) I used to watch. And okay, that's all right. (laughs) Yeah, no, it it makes it makes sense. And I think like, yeah, growing up in Southern California, it's like a part of the culture. You know, you'd go see it on the especially as a kid and stuff. I there is that nostalgia factor that's just accepting. Yeah. And but uh but I watch these families, man. Like you know, I, I literally so working working at Universal has taught me so much about the type of people that go to theme parks, obviously. And <laughs> yeah. there are these families that come all the way from like Switzerland, and they come to Southern California, and all they do is go to SeaWorld, Disney World, Disneyland, Universal, Six Flags, and that is their entire vacation for nine days straight. They'll just go to theme parks, and <laughs> it's. 
it's insane to me like that that's like you, you know i would after a couple days i'd be like this i've, I've had enough yeah, dude. Yeah, like yeah. i've waited <laughs> enough lines i've eaten enough shitty food i've been around <laughs> enough people totally. like i mean there is a uh people feel very people feel very entitled at theme parks you know they oh, get yeah. they get this air of like i spent all this money i deserve everything and they get into their and it, it, i i watched this happen and i think working at a theme park has kind of made me step back from i think i if i didn't work at universal i would have been to six flags a bunch of times since then since since that last time i went i know i would have but it's hard for me to want to go to a theme park because I watch it and I'm like, oh, we can't go today. It's going to be a crazy packed day in there unless we get front of line passes. We're not going to get on. Yeah. We're not going to wait. And then other days, like, and then when I, when it is a good day to go, it's like, yeah, but like, I don't want to go in February. Like, <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to take a day off and go do this. And I really should. Cause like, I do miss, I just, I miss a good roller coaster, you know? Yeah. Have you, so do you still feel like you could, handle the role because i i'm a i'm a tall dude not i, I felt like i, I went on a uh i think it's called silver bullet at knott's berry farm and it's it's a pretty bitchin coaster it might not be like you know like hardcore like snuff film style six flags roller coaster <laughs> but it like it's pretty aggressive and i remember like just you know i'm 30 you know three now i felt like i was I feel like yeah, I was gonna die, dude. I feel like I yeah, because just the blood, it just it was not going back to my brain. I had to eat some uh, boysenberry uh, pie there. Have you had not? Have, so have you been to knots? I've not been to knots, dude. The, I have knots. Yeah, knots been to knots. I don't know. Why I did a British voice. It's in uh, no, Buena it was, Park. That was perfect. Welcome to Buena Park. Yeah, no, it's uh, <laughs> it's Little Britain of Orange County. No, it's uh, yeah, they, dude. The food there alone. Uh, it's probably a nostalgia thing too, but this fucking boysenberry is boysenberry a thing anywhere else? I don't know. I've been very, very few places. Yeah. yeah. It's like, I don't know, but so good. Uh, so I, I'd asked you ahead of time. I don't know if you'd, it's okay if you didn't think. Oh, no, 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 I did. I thought, okay, I thought okay. about this. I prep brother. Oh, okay? I appreciate that. I come man. in here ready to go. <laughs> so yeah, I, I'd asked, uh, Alex, if, if there was any ride, um, that, you know, you'd like to see if you could have your own ride, whatever it is, like, what would it be? What would your ride be? So, uh, I have, I want to, I want to answer this in two parts cause I have a regular one. Uh, and then I have a Halloween one. So the regular one, it's gotta, it's, it's, I want it. To, it's gotta be like, you know, high energy, big drops, upside downs, all that good stuff. You know, zero to eighty in three seconds. I want that feeling of that stomach coming of, of that stomach coming out. But I also I want it to at the same time, like somehow, like you're. I don't know if you, it would be through a headset or some kind of experience. But I want you to have kind of like this weird DMT trip going on, so that when you're actually like zooming through this thing, it looks like you're just going through these light tunnels and things are just shooting past you so that it's very psychedelic and very colorful a lot of neon a lot of rainbows and it very much like even though you are in the physical world it feels like you've been shot into another dimension oh. i had this experience at burning man uh a couple years ago where there was this art uh this art installation called paraluna and essentially what it was is imagine like a bunch of led lights um on an um, like on a 10 meter umbrella that would you lay underneath it and all it does is the lights just kind of zap you just kind of zap through and they turn all these colors and when you laid under it it was literally like you were shooting through space it was the most 
profound tripping experience I've had. I cried just like relentlessly because it was so beautiful and so moving. And if I could have that, but actually be on a ride that I was actually moving that fast as well, that would be the ultimate theme park experience for me. Totally. Yeah, yeah man. I, I could picture that. And, you know, it kind of reminds me of, uh, you know, those like water slides, like some some tunnels when they do when there's like a lot of color. And I mean, this is very yeah. minimal, but like I always have flashes of that, that that's always incredible to me, just the way that they can, uh, I don't know, yeah, make you go through this just other world. It looks like you're transporting, but yeah, like through, you know, through the wormhole, you know, yeah, exactly. and then when you come out on the other side, you should feel like you went through something totally. like, and that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's really what I would want out of that experience. Because I mean, I've, I've actually like, I've looked for that art installation, Paraluna before, like I've had, like, is this thing like tour anywhere? Like, can you go see this thing? <laughs> I like just want to, I just want to lay underneath it for yeah, three yeah. hours and just like have the best, like have the best time. And so I think, uh, that was like, uh, if I could have something like that, it would be absolutely incredible. That sounds amazing. And now part two, because this is something I thought of a lot, is uh, most of the theme parks, they do different stuff for Halloween. They have a different Halloween experience. They have the haunted mazes and things like that. But my problem with Halloween Horror Nights, because I've been to Halloween Horror Nights many times at Universal. I've done I've done it most years because we get an employee day to go do it. Totally. So I've done it like probably six or seven times. Um, and... Every time I'm just like, this is fun, but I'm not afraid of this because I know monsters aren't real, right? (laughs) Zombies aren't real. None of this stuff is real to me. So I want to make a universal Halloween Horror Nights maze that is like actual fears in in my life. Like I want to walk into a classroom. I didn't know I had a presentation. Everyone's staring at me, including the teacher. And somehow I'm also incredibly high. Like so that I walk in, everyone's just looking at me like, are you ready? And I'm like, what? Oh my God. Oh, oh, oh. And I'm just like freezing up. And they're like, well, here's your period. Like here's, here's your power. Is your PowerPoint ready? And I'm like, I don't have it. And they're like, what do you mean? You knew this was due for months. And I'm like, no, like an experience like that. Or like you're waiting at an abortion clinic with your girl, with you and they're in your, your girlfriend gets taken in the waiting room and they're just looking at you just like staring just like are you ready to be a dad are you, are you gonna be do you think it's getting what if she's pregnant you're gonna have it you're gonna get and like real experiences that would make me terrified you know what i mean you ever, did you see hereditary that movie hereditary no i saw midsummer but i have not seen hereditary well that reminds me of it because it's like it's a lot of you know not spoiling anything but there's just certain things that are so real that it's absolutely terrifying you know it's, yeah it's yeah <laughs> i gotta i gotta see that one because i really liked midsummer um but that that to me is like if somebody could design and i know why they can't design these i know why this is never gonna happen <laughs> yeah but if somebody could give you a true honest real life horror experience like of things that actually make us scared i just think that would do like for adults that would do so well if somehow they could have that experience where they you would feel that genuine fear because when a ghoul pops out at me (laughs) through a window i'm like okay great you know go back you know what i do you know what i used to do at universal i used to be such a dick when i first moved here i would uh i'd get when somebody would come out and they're like ah i'd be like yeah you're going to make it in Hollywood, bro. Get back in there and try again. Like, I'd be such a dick to Because <laughs> like, that's what they... They're all just struggling actors. Yeah. And so, like, I used, that's what I used to do is I'd be like, yeah, try again with with feeling this time, you know? You think you're going to, like, come across them, you know, at the gym or something or, you know, maybe at the store. They're like, remember me? 
Hey! Yeah, Dracula. Do you remember me now? And you're like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah. The voice could have been better, honestly. Work a little harder on that next time. Spend some more time in the mirror. <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's awesome. uh, those are, those those are the, great. Those, those are, are the rides that I want dude, totally. at Robert Land. I would, they will exist. Dude, I would love to, 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 to ride those rides, man. Um, I mean, the first one you can almost ride for real, you know? You yeah, can, yeah. All you got to do is smoke something and have somebody blow a fan in your face <laughs> at 100 miles an hour, and then you're on it, dude. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> no, that's awesome, man. So I, I had – these are some e-ticket questions. Uh, this is uh, a, a game I like to play with my guests. It's Because, okay, speaking of horrific things. Yep. Horrible shit can happen at amusement parks. Like, oh, yeah. And sometimes, you know, reality is stranger than fiction. So this is a game called, <laughs> it's kind of a morbid game, but a, a theme park accident facts or fiction. Um, I think the real horror is me reading. God damn. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> fa- the defliction. No, but <laughs> this is, uh, yeah. So I've, I have a few uh, stories that may have happened in real life. And so you're going to tell me if you believe that they're true or false. Okay. Okay. So this is the first uh, of these three uh, tales of accidents. Okay. Universal Studios, Hollywood. In 2007, Universal Studios filed an occurrence report stating that a 34-year-old woman broke a vertebrae in her lower back on the Universal Studios' Revenge of the Mummy ride. This mummy got revenge on this mommy, said the injured woman. Huh. Because I've been on that ride many times. Um, I did not work at the theme park. I got there in the, at the end of 2008. So this was a year before I got there. I totally believe that that happened. Because if you're, I mean... You know, I don't know what I'm sure that woman had some kind of pre-existing weakness, but that ride does shoot you zero to sixty in like four seconds. So if you are not like strapped in as tight as maybe you could be, I could see you just like slamming into the back and and it's it snapping something. Yeah, I believe yeah, that yeah. one's true. Okay, okay, so that's that's the answer for the first one. Now, now I'll tell you at the end of these which ones are true and false. It's also just, it's not enough for me to believe it's fake. Like, you're like, she got decapitated. I'd yeah. be like, that probably didn't happen. I would have heard, I would have heard about decapitation. No, I feel, I feel you. Uh, okay, so the, uh, the, the, the second story here is this happened at Disneyland, California. Uh, in an attempt to sneak into a Disney park during an annual grad night in 1966, 19-year-old Thomas Guy Cleveland accidentally ended his own life. A security officer tried to keep him from entering the park, but Cleveland attempted to cross the monorail track by jumping beneath it into a canopy. In an untimely incident, the train was approaching and ended up striking and killing Cleveland upon impact. <laughs> so so this, th- th- this is what kind of kills me about this. Uh, is this dude is 19 years old, and he's, he's, he's risking his life to go into a grad night park. Yeah, that's. <laughs> I mean, maybe he was. Like, maybe he's held back. He's just like, oh no, I like him young. I'm looking for a girlfriend in here. Uh, that is ridiculous. I'm sorry, your parents wouldn't sign your permission slip, Thomas Guy Cleveland. Um, next time, what a just name. Ford, Ford's the signature. I know, Thomas Guy Cleveland. Uh, I. Uh, I'm going to believe that one's true as well because I want to believe that one's true. Like, I would like to think that that's how somebody, you know, had their, you know, their Darwin-esque death of <laughs> just like of stupidity. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, so that one, that's sort of true. Yeah. So I'm going true. I'm okay. going true. 
So this is the, the the last one here. I don't think you could come up with the name Thomas Guy Cleveland to to falsify this report. <laughs> it, I know it is it is too that is too rad of a name. Too bad you can you know do like soap opera acting or something. <laughs> yeah, you know? if you Thomas had been like Guy. if you were like in 1966, Colonel <laughs> Peter Farthington, I'd be like, no, 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 this is fake. <laughs> but Thomas Guy Cleveland, that's too real. All right, yeah. what's the third one? Okay, so the third one here is. Uh, here, let me see this. Sorry, my bad. I uh, I know we're on dyslexia. The ride right now. Yeah, well, this is dyslexia. <laughs> this is this is the most another, another good one for the Halloween Horror Nights one. Like you go in there and you think you can read, and all the letters are shuffled. So you're just looking at it like I don't know, and they're like, "Sir, your presentation starts now." And you're like, "What? I can't read anything." <laughs> okay, so now uh, that that one hit close to home, uh, Alex. <laughs> all right. So a, please get out of this podcast. This no, will no, never no. be released. No, this is great. Uh, so okay, uh, this happened at Universal Studios Hollywood as well. Your your, uh, your turf. Uh, a thirty six year old five hundred pound man named Roy Templeton was riding Jurassic Park ride, where his belly prevented the lap bar from going all the way down. There was a malfunction on the ride where the ride boat stopped right in its tracks, right before the big drop, and because of Ray's Jurassic gawk. Preventing the lap bar from doing its job, the other two men were launched out of the boat and into the massive T-Rex's mouth. One man was impaled into the T-Rex's mouth, and the other fell plunging to his death. The incident prompted Roy to get in shape and become a CrossFit champion. Every anniversary of the men who passed away, Roy takes selfies in front of the T-Rex in honor of the men. I would never be the stud I am today if it wasn't for that tragic day. I'm dating an Insta model now. Sucks for them. May they rest in Jurassic peace. So which one of these stories sounds true or false to you? Uh, I mean, that last one, I mean, great storytelling, wonderful fabrication. I think you just took it a little too far in the believability factor because there's no way that guy lost that weight. Uh, there is no fucking way, dude. He just went into a further deep depression after the T-Rex impaled his friends. Uh, yeah, no, that's, clearly that one is, is, is false. I do believe the other ones, though, so I'm excited to find out the truth. Okay, so... So that one is definitely false. Which <laughs> Are you course, sure? Yeah, <laughs> of course, right? And so um, I, I knew that that would be just ridiculous. Sometimes I, I know. Like it's go, fun, though. Yeah, yeah, I, like, yeah. I like how far you took it. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, the first two uh, were both true. They both happened. They bo- Yeah, both of those incidents. Uh, yeah, that dude, it, it's crazy because that's like one of like five cases where kids are trying to sneak into grad night for some reason, and they all get – it's just – crazy to me i'm like what do you think was going to happen right exactly yeah <laughs> you know you know my scariest fear has always been in, in, in an amusement park because i'm not scared of the rides themselves but i remember when i was a kid i uh uh i was at a theme park and a ride got stuck upside down for 30 oh. minutes it was one of the ones that like it was going to do the loop and it didn't make it all the way around but it made it just far enough that the equilibrium of of the of the car yeah. was on both sides and it I, they got stuck for 30 minutes and those people hung upside down with the blood rushing the the discomfort and pain that i i was that like legit terrified me for a long time about for for theme parks oh dude yeah that's that's because that's that's a very that one is very real and it happens frequently and yeah. that's like a few times a year i think that happens totally yeah i was in uh, disney world a, a few months ago and they have these new uh uh like sky cabin things like they used to have the sky buckets back in the day, but they brought them back in a form of transportation. It'll take you from 
some of the uh, like resorts to the parks and whatever. But it's this new thing. It's millions of dollars run into it. They have all this merchandise. It's like take the sky buckets and you can ride a Mickey bucket or a Frozen or you know whatever. And so uh, we rode in one of those, and it was like the first date had opened. Like oh, this is pretty bitch and it's pretty fast. It's a lot faster than these buses and. I remember it would come in kind of hot. Like, they would kind of, like, load you real fast. And um, it seemed like they would get close. And so a couple hours after we went on it, lo and behold, there was a freak accident, and three of them collided. Oof. And, and so people were stuck for three hours in there. And there's, I mean, you're stuck in air. Like, that, that kind of stuff is terrifying to me. Like, I mean, I'm a tall dude, but I'm afraid of heights. And people get, they're like... They're, they don't understand that. I'm like, well, I'm not 300 yeah, feet exactly. tall, Yeah, exactly. That makes dude. sense. What are you yeah. talking about? It's yeah. a foot and a half. Dude. Like, like, dude, <laughs> yeah, because they'll tell some people, like, oh, I don't really feel like Supreme Scream, those rides that drop you, you yeah. know? And then they're like, really, dude? But you're, like, tall. I'm like, well, yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? What do you... Yeah, I'm not a... Fri- you know. I can't just jump over a bridge. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah, I'm not, about? I'm not like, an X-Men. You know, I don't know what you're... T- it's just ridiculous. But, yeah, I... I yeah, it's just absurd. But... Uh, you know, it, it's been it's been lovely to have you and, and talk to you. Oh, it's and, been so fun, yeah, dude. dude. And so I, I thought that this would be an absolutely absurd way to, to end the show or a good way. So I, you know, I've um, been getting up a, a lot, just grinding it, working it out. And uh, a lot of people will be like, Rob, why don't you do Rose Battle, right? Mm-hmm. And it's not, it's not my style. Not that I couldn't do it. There's a lot of people that... You know, the sweetest can be, do roast battle. Sure, I'm one of them, man. Yeah. I never thought it'd be my style either. But totally. Yeah, and so, like, you know, roast battles become a phenomenon. It's it's all over the world. It's, you know, you, you've you gone to America's Got Talent, roasted those judges. It's <laughs> yep. just, it's incredible. You know, it's it's something to start in the belly room. It's just, like, become this this beast, and it's a beautiful thing. People, you know, there's, there's books on it now. People, yeah. all different traumas or backgrounds or you know it's it's cathartic it's it's a beautiful thing it's a great art form you know you you gotta there's this clever uh it's not just insulting each other you no, know no and no so, there it's it's very much it's it, there is the, there's a lot of love behind it and there's yeah. a lot of work that goes into the jokes they're puzzles that you have to figure out and i that's that's what i really fell in love with just was just writing the jokes themselves totally you know it's, when you when you come up with a very just perfectly worded very short compact tight joke and then you deliver it in that room and the walls explode and people are slamming their feet on the ground there's just a feeling that doesn't happen in regular stand-up totally. you know yeah, and I, I uh, so you know, I've I've contemplated doing it. People are like, yeah, why don't you roast me, Rob? Let's go to roast battle, and uh, I, you know, I don't know if I could, but I, I, I thought I'd run some by it because you know, you're, you're, you're. I think you're an expert, you know, on the the subject of roasting. So I thought I would <laughs> run some jokes. By are they it. about me? No, no, no. Oh, okay. I, I could uh, do that, but I, I, I think, I think you may, <laughs> you may appreciate this. This is uh, okay. So. Um, I was gonna have you read this, but I think I think it'd be uh, I think I could accentuate some of the stuff because I wrote it. But okay, so this is Rob's roast. Okay, what's up, comedy star? <laughs> <laughs> the crowd cheers before I tell my first joke. Judges Joe Rogan, Jeff Ross, and CG Mitzi Shore eagerly await my first burn. I've got the biggest dick on the planet. Okay, this is a joke if my opponent is heavy set. These <laughs> scenarios. <laughs> Go ahead. All right, okay. I hope you die of diabetes, you fat piece of human shit. Job of the cunt. 
<laughs> yep, keep it. Okay. If my opponent has glasses and works at McDonald's, check out this poindexter here. He has glasses and works at McDonald's. Guess you're not so smart after all, McNerd. <laughs> Je- I wish I wish you could go into it. Why? I wish you would go into a battle and actually do this. This would Je- be so funny. Jeff Ross shakes his head and squints indecisively. If my opponent had a child. Man, I hope abortion is still an option because this kid is fucked. <laughs> Mime, baby being aborted. The wave go crazy and also mime a baby, <laughs> baby being aborted. Joe Rogan stands up and declares, Hey, bro, you're the second coming of Kinnison, bro. What's your number? I'm going to have you on the pod. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Mitzi is speechless, and Jeff Ross says, It could have used more abortion, you lurch-looking fart knocker. Congrats, kid. You're going to Hollywood. <laughs> when you're already there. <laughs> you know I just what? want to get your... Uh, you you yeah. know what I love about that is I do think there are people out there that are that delusional that write a joke like that and go, this is it. Like, I cannot wait. Oh, yeah. to, this is going to be the one, dude. <laughs> and they are going to see me and I'm going to get a writing job right immediately because I wrote this joke. Like, it's, it's clear. Like, And then you, they go up there and they just... God, man, when a joke doesn't work in that room, it it like when it like I said, like when you when your joke explodes, it is is no feeling like it in the world. When it doesn't work, it you feel lower than shit. Like oh, totally. it is so much worse than just a regular line in your stand up not working. There's something about it because you wrote this thing, you stepped up, you delivered it with confidence, and then nobody does anything, and then you just know, and then it's not it's it's like it's like you whiffed as a boxer, right? It's like you went for this huge uppercut and you miss completely and then you're spun around and as soon as you come the guy's waiting to just knock you fucking unconscious and all you can do is wait for that hit know that it's coming and know you can't defend yourself dude i can't imagine see i uh it's funny because i had a similar experience i did uh when i started getting up again a year a year and a half ago uh chefsky's like oh dude just do kill tony right (laughs) and so you know john's been doing it 12 years consistently you know and so and he knows everybody. It's you know, obviously if John went up, it would be fine, you know. But I'm like, all right, I think that's a great idea. Let me go and 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 Segura was on it on oh, the wow. panel, and um and I got really lucky because I went with my buddy who was microdosing on shrooms, and uh, of course they picked him. He wasn't prepared. He it was not it was not the set <laughs> you'd want, you know. And you know it was it was a uh, yeah it was it, he was got the firing squad, and so. I get my name called in the last comic of the night and uh, I kind of just went and I I was, everything went blank, you know? And I'm like, oh Jesus, this is the fucking main room at the con. What did I do? You know, this is the first yeah. time I've been on stage. And I, luckily I, I killed it. I did great. It was, a, it was a good set. I did, I mean, for that show, you know, like I, yeah, I love that. I, and so it was, it was an amazing moment. I mean, I had prepared for it. It's just, I, for a minute I was shitting my pants. And so I got lucky and I, 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 kind of got this like confidence like oh i'm gonna go back again and i wasn't getting up much i was like doing a couple mics here and there but i had this yeah dude you know i used to dabble in stand-up and it's going well i just i i i knew what of my old material to pick from that that did work but i wasn't like writing or getting up so i just would go on this fucking which is not what you do it's a show it's really a showcase yeah it is but you know i learned all that stuff after the fact but i i go up a week later mark maron's on it and I have another set. It's even better. It's like, oh, my God, this is great. 
and you know, I respect him so much. I mean, everybody would want to be seen in front of someone like Marin. You know, sure, like, Segura and Marin are two great ones to get up in front of. So, so it was awesome. But the 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 third time I go up. And this is, you know, me being confident. Oh, I'm, I'm slaying it, dude. Like, you know, I'm calling John like, fuck, man, it's crazy. I, I do. And then I get up and it's too short as the guest and, and Luis J. Gomez. And they're just tearing people. And I go up in a, in a suit, right, as we talked about earlier. And, okay, Dice Clay, when he's in a suit, is fucking Dice Clay. And he's the man. He can bring it, right? Yeah. This is a dude that... I had never tried this joke about bestial, you know, when I was exposed to bestiality as a kid and it scared me. I go up, I'm out of breath, you know, I'm pre-diabetic in this fucking giant big bopper suit. I just ate it so hard. <laughs> and and it, it was it was great though. And it was it was actually a beautiful moment for me. It was like, you know, this is something, you know, because I had had a, that luck of those first two times, you know, okay, well it can be like that, but you know, I I've put in a lot more work since then and I, and it's just it's it's uh, an experience, and I'm so glad to have had you on, man. I yeah, my pleasure to yeah, be here. I'd love to make it about me at the end there. Fuck. That's okay. It's your podcast, bro. People yeah. want to learn about you, too. So. Yeah. yeah, for fuck, sure. Yeah. yeah, fuck a guest, dude. Yeah. It's about you. <laughs> this is Robert time. <laughs> yeah, but I think it's, you know, it's all it's all part of the process, and I can relate to that feeling. It's just like, yeah, that's just, I mean, everyone can. Everyone's gotten punched in the gut, and, yep. you know, and that's that's life. But uh, where, where can uh, they can find you on the old social media? Yeah, um, all my social medias are at Hooper Hair Puff. So my last name, Hooper, and then Hair Puff, all one word. HooperComedy.com for all my tour dates. And you can listen to my podcast, Achilles Heel. Just go to my website. I have everything on there. So all my media and all my shows and all that good stuff. So find me there. Thanks for listening to Robert Land. Hell yeah. Wonderful. Thank you, dog. Thank you all. Life is a ride. I'm going to ride it all night long. All right, baby. Thank you.